This is Dylan. This is Nick. And you're listening to Hello and welcome to Colloquium. How's it going, Nick? It's going well. Yeah, I'm having actually a really good Saturday today. Today's Saturday, by the way, for our, yeah. our listeners. Yes, because yeah. we always want to tell you what day of the week it is. Right, exactly. might be a Monday for you, but it's a Saturday <laughs> in your heart. That's profound. We're we're a Saturday. Indeed. All right, well, we're uh, we're here to talk about a theme that is, I think, long-awaited for me. I think both of us have been long-awaiting. Um, I, uh, I don't know how I feel about this. We're, uh, <laughs> we're uh, going to talk about something that we know nothing about but know something about it's one of those like just mysteries of life right and uh i think that we we have some things we want to share about this topic but at the same time we do that in all humility knowing that we don't know what we're doing yeah i'm with you the big asterisk goes on this uh episode title i think yeah that we uh yeah are treading in waters of which we really know not i feel like we should give like our listeners some hints of like what our topic might be. You got one, right? It's a mystery. That's right. Okay. And we're not necessarily experts in it. Um, so you could maybe deduce a little bit from that. I don't know. What's another hint? Um, the the bone of my bones and flesh of my uh, flesh, so says is. scripture. There it is. <laughs> That's right. We are going to talk about femininity. Femininity. Anemone. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. Anemone. I know about as much about femininity as i know about anemones mm. not very much as it turns out you know i actually did a big research project no. on <laughs> <laughs> okay. a lot wow okay not really not really i don't know much about anemones but i mean i think this is something where i think we eventually plan we're gonna have a part two of this where we want to actually have a real life woman <laughs> on our show yeah, it's funny the way you said that y- not yeah. a fake woman yeah not a fake one but a real woman <laughs> to provide your perspective we also th- or their perspective, but I think we also thought it would be valuable to provide the perspective, just our, our own perspective, spitballing our perspective on what the feminine genius is, what captivates us about femininity. Um, you know, we talked about our masculinity episode. Our our tension was the warrior poet, right? And we talked about the tension that we face. That we really, I think, as as men, we feel that tension on a real natural level. I think there's a similar tension that, that women face, but, you, you know, in all humility, like, I, I don't know what that's like fully. I think, but I think what we want to do here is, is observe, I think, some of the things we see, and then actually get, you know, I think a more feminine perspective as well. That sounds great. Yeah, I've, like you, I've been looking forward to this episode. I think I'm just having a good in-depth conversation about the feminine genius, as they say. Yeah. So, ready to get going. Yeah, and this is honestly an episode, too, that like we I think we'd love feedback on. Like, is there something you think we got right or didn't get right? Like, we want to know. Like, we're we're entering into this mystery, and we're, we're learning as we go. So, um, definitely feel free to reach out to us afterwards. Uh, Colloquiumshow at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Um, love to hear your feedback. But without further ado, let's let's talk about the feminine genius. Let's do it. All right, so what is – I think this feminine genius thing is like a term that's been thrown out a lot, right? And I think it's, it has some roots in some of JP2's writing. Um, he has his letter to right. women in particular. And I guess it's just – it's this idea. It's kind of like the – I guess the Catholic feminism, right? This, this movement to recover. Like what is so great about 
you know, what do women have to offer the world in particular that's unique to them as women? Yeah, I mean, that's ultimately the question I think we're going we're gonna to talk about over the, this episode. But, um, right. um, yeah, I, I'm glad you mentioned John Paul II because I don't think, you know, we're going to mention him in particular um, during this episode in great detail. Mm-hmm. But I do also want to give my two cents that I know in my life personally, he's been a, a huge mentor for me in terms of how I as a man should view women and, um, you know, treat women accordingly, right. and, you know, what, what their particular role is in the, the story of, uh, of human history, you know? So, um, yeah, a, a lot of honor goes to John Paul II for, for teaching me. And I think, um, in a lot of ways, the world that yeah. message. Yeah. I think that's, that's exactly right. I think John Paul II is someone who, you know, whether it's in his theology, the body, le- uh, lectures, audiences, those, the, the series he wrote on theology, of the body or love and responsibility, right? He has, I think a lot of what we're going to talk about is rooted in his ideas. And I think he really captures kind of like that relational, like that complementary of men and women, the relational aspect, what we provide each other in the world that's distinct but complementary. Um, and I think it's kind of what we'll pers- provide a little bit as men, right? Not as as women, but like as men, all we can provide is, I think, um, more of that side of how you know, how our masculinity, how we encounter femininity and what that does to us um, and how that, um, you know, we'll kind of use these words more later, but like draws us out of ourselves. Right. Um, and helps make us, I think, better men, ultimately. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll read from Genesis 2 here to, to get us going. Um, so I think most everyone has heard yeah. this before. I'm, I'm not going to assume that you have, but I think most of us have. Um, this is from uh, essentially the creation story in the scriptures. Um. And uh, God is getting ready to create woman. So uh, maybe we'll read from Genesis chapter 2. I'll start on verse 18, and then we'll um, skip to verse 21 and read the next few verses. So um, here we go. Let's do it. You ready, Dylan? Ready. All right. Uh, So here's Genesis 2, verse 18. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suited to him. So the Lord God cast a deep sleep on the man. And while he was asleep, he took out one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. The Lord God then built the rib that he had taken from the man into a woman. When he brought her to the man, the man said, This one at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman, for out of man this one has been taken. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and clings to his wife, and the two of them become one body. Great. So um, maybe I'll just touch briefly on um, the fact that it's kind of funny because I, I just realized that the man is the first one who gets to comment on the creation of woman. You know, so uh, yeah. Um, so maybe we're kind of mirroring Adam's uh, first comment on woman here right. in our, yeah, in our yeah. conversation. We, we yeah, planned that intentionally. Right. We're okay. just trying to follow the Bible here. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think it uh, is such a powerful line there. At last, um, this one at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Um, you know, just right. the reverence and uh, um, the kind of, I don't want to say like uh, sati- like total satisfaction of the man having met woman, mm-hmm. but it seems like that, doesn't it? You know, the man yeah. meets woman and says, at, at last, you know, finally, this is what I was searching for. Um, so right. um, just the, the honor with which the woman is held in, right. uh, in man's eyes, uh, really the final act yeah. of God's creation, too. So. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot there. And mm-hmm. You know, we I think Adam's reaction is is incredible. And I think as as men we can see 
that in ourselves a little bit, right? In, in the way we encounter women. And I think there's also something, you know, one, one of the interesting things here is women is created last, right? And, you know, people might think, oh, well, women's an afterthought or like just created because, you know, man needed someone, right? He needed a helpmate, right? But there's actually this idea in, in certain kinds of literature where the thing that's created last or the thing that comes last is what everything else is building up to. Hmm. So when we're looking at the, the Hebrew, the Jewish, Christ, Judeo-Christian narrative here, the creation narrative, we're, we're looking at something where it's, it's culminating. It's building up to something, right? And ultimately, it's building up to the creation of human beings, right? And we see that man is kind of this man and women. Human beings are this culmination. But in a particular way, we see women is the last thing created. Is kind of the pinnacle. It all culminates there, right? It's not done until women's there, right? And I think that's really, really powerful truth as well. Yeah, it is beautiful. And um, you know, I've I've heard women reference as the crown jewel of creation. Mm-hmm. I love that phrase. I, I heard yeah. that from a friend a few years back, and I thought that was really, um, really just incredible. Um, it's it's also too like as a as a man like to n- just to not be afraid of like, um, being drawn to or captivated by um uh, yeah by the women and in my life, you know? So right. I think it's just a very natural thing. Um, just yeah. as a human being, you know, to be, to be drawn to that, you know, um, they are the, yeah. the crown jewel of creation. Yeah. So let's, let's talk a little bit about what, yeah, what all that entails. What is this, this crown jewel? What is so great about what women have to offer? And I think just, I'll make the, or make, make our second caveat here. You know, our first caveat being, we are humbly standing before the mystery of women, right. And making observations, not in any sense of expertise, the second is that I think we're also going to speak in generalities. I think just like on our, our masculinity podcast, I think we're making observations that are general, right? But not every man is going to identify with, you know, everything we said was a part of the masculine kind of identity there, right? And I think the same goes for women, right? Women are not all the same. They're all created incredibly unique. But we can see these tendencies that, that women have that are good, right? That, that women have to offer the world that men don't provide in the exact same way. So just kind of want to caveat, make that caveat is just, we are going to speak in generalities, but these shouldn't be restricting generalities that, you know, a woman thinks, oh, if I don't feel like I'm that, you know, then, you know, I'm less of a woman or anything. Is right. that fair to say? Well said. Okay. Um, so some of these qualities of the feminine genius that I think we think of that we've brainstormed a little bit, I think the first one we had is, is kind of beautiful or captivating, right? So maybe I, I think just this, this, this idea of beautiful, right? There's, there's something strange about it. We call women beautiful. We don't typically use the same word for, for man, hmm. which I think is interesting. interesting. It's, it's mysterious. I can't you know, necessarily put my finger on exactly why that is, right? But there's an aspect of, of the feminine genius, of femininity, that is beautiful and captivating. Those are good words. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I don't really know. How would you react if you were called beautiful? I mean, I'd say, yeah, you're right. You know, actually, it's funny. As an aside, I have, uh, when I was in college, um, <laughs> we were watching a movie in college, and uh, some uh, a woman that we were watching the movie with, um, she was uh, watching one of the men in the movie, and she goes, gosh, that is a beautiful man. it was so it was such like a rare thing to say that i still remember it that was like 10 years ago you know yeah um so anyway um i don't know that's a good question why uh why is the word beautiful used for women Uh, maybe it's because they're the final 
crown jewel of creation, if you will. Right. It's because that that word is so powerful. It's reserved right. for women um, in yeah. the way that it should be. Yeah, well, I mean, I think all of creation is beautiful in a sense, right? But I do think there's a particular way in which women exhibit beauty. Right. Um, I think in a physical way in particular, um, you know, I think of, like, just their capacity for, for childbirth and for nursing, right? There's there's a beauty to a woman's body and how that cultivates life, right, hmm. that a man's body doesn't do in the same way. So. I think there's an element of that. I think we tend to emphasize, and I think, again, this is, you know, treading on thin water here, but, you know, you can get, anyway, what, what I'm trying to say is that, you know, there's there's this, I think, emphasis on physical beauty often in women, and sometimes that can be a, an impossible standard for women, right? And that can be something that's like, where they feel like they're judged solely on their physical beauty, but... On the other hand, I think there is this this natural emphasis on the physical beauty of a woman's body, maybe more so than than a man's body. I don't know if that's fair to say or not, but yeah, I think that's fair. Um, you know, a female friend of mine when I was in Focus actually uh, mm-hmm. said this to me, and this helped me kind of have a, a different perspective of this. You know, mm-hmm. she she said to me once that um, there's a difference between between pretty and beautiful. Hmm. You know, um, yeah. And how across time and across history, you know, like different societies have viewed like different, you know, physical looks as pretty, you know, like it's what's considered quote unquote Mm -hmm. pretty now is probably not considered that at all. A hundred years ago versus tan skin. Right. You know, right. Like that kind of a thing, you know, but so there's always that like, you know, caveat that comes with someone being quote unquote pretty, Mm -hmm. you know, but um, she also said, um, like all women are beautiful. Mm. Um, all women are beautiful, no matter what society or culture, what whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, not all women are quote unquote pretty in their society, mm-hmm. but all are beautiful. Yeah. Um, and we can break this down as to what that means, but I think the general answer to that is, you know, it's not um, just the physical, the physical right. body that yeah. encompasses beauty. Um, it's also the spiritual. I know for for me in, in my life in particular, um, the woman that I've found to be like just very holy mm-hmm. i'm also way more drawn to captivated yeah. by um i've had a real tangible experience of holy women yeah. uh, just captivating me more so right. than others who are not yeah that word captivating i think is is key i mean i think of you know uh stacy eldridge has a book you know what i'm talking about so john eldridge yeah, uh-huh. wrote wild at heart and his, his wife wrote so this is a, his book is about like masculinity in a christian sense and his wife stacy wrote captivating which is mm. like the female equivalent which I haven't read, um, but I've heard good things read. about it. But I think it's generally in this idea, like, yeah, one of the the most, I think, compliment, the biggest compliments you could give a woman is, like, they're captivating, right? And I think that's that's powerful, right? This, this beauty, this captivating, this, this way that they draw us out of ourselves, inspire us, I think. I think that there's something about women in general and women in particular that is inspiring, to a man it's something that we don't have right it's something that we are not hmm. it's different and it attracts us it draws us it inspires us i think of um you know my kind of story on this is actually so um years back at seek conference or actually i think it was sls um okay. so focus co- annual conference when i was in college and attending i remember seeing sister bethany madonna speak and she's like a pretty legendary focus speaker now but I just remember, I think being captivated is the best word I could use to describe it. Because she was just standing up there 
talking about the love of God and just how she has received the love of God in her life. And I, I mean, it was like I was looking at an angel. Like, did she just radiate hmm. with the joy of, of spirit? And there was something really feminine. I can't put my finger on what it was. But there was a real feminine, captivating beauty to her and the way she witnessed to God's love that, you know, if it were a monk up there or a dude, like, I, I wouldn't have <laughs> been drawn to that in the same way. A bald monk, really? Yeah. You wouldn't be? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I don't, again, it's a mystery, but it it was something really profound for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. It's interesting, too, because Sister Madonna and the Sisters of Life, you know, they have, like, habits that don't reveal even, like, their right. hair right. or yeah. their, really much of their body at all. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, that's no. a very interesting, like, a great proof that it's not just the body. Yeah, and it was, it was not physical. I mean, there was her physical body, like, her, you know, she radiated right. in her body. But right. it wasn't about an attraction to the physical at all. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I am... Um, Gosh, I I love what you what you said there, and I, I know I've, I've had experiences before of, you know, women in my life um, that I became close with over time. Mm-hmm. You know that when I initially met them, um, of course they're you know beautiful women, but like I wasn't particularly like, you know, drawn at that moment when I first met them. But over time, as I get to know them and have more conversations mm-hmm. and like you know talk about spiritual things and get to know who they are as like a, a spiritual individual, mm-hmm. you know, body and soul. Mm-hmm. Um, I become more captivated over time, you know? So it's so important. I think as we're having this discussion, we're talking about beauty and being captivated by women, um, that it's body and soul, the integrated Mm -hmm. of the two that that captivates. Um, right. Yeah. I I just think it's so important to remember. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, um, just for me, um, practically, I know a lot of times when I, you know, I'm captivated by a a beautiful woman, you know, it'll like just become natural, become natural for me to, to Mm -hmm. serve, um, it's just very, uh, it becomes very easy to serve. Right. Like yeah. it's just a natural thing. Oh, I'm going to hold the door, yeah. door open for this woman, or I'm going to offer to take her plate when she's done right. with a meal or it just, it just kind of happens like that. Yeah. Right? And I think we both have had experiences like that, particularly in our focus team life where right. there's, you know, you're, you're on a team working with, with both men and women and you're serving together and you're serving each other. And there's usually not, it's not there's a complementarity to the male and the female that's not usually romantic, I think. You know, I think about my some of my focused female teammates who, hmm. you know, were good friends and some remain good friends. And there's just something about their femininity that captivated me, that drew me outside of myself, but not in a romantic way. Um, in the ways that we complement each other, and it wasn't, you know, about like just sheerly, oh, man's attracted to woman, woman's attracted to man. But there's something they brought that that made me a better person, I think. Yeah. It's very, it really is a mystery, isn't it? It's very like, um, uh, when I was thinking briefly about, you know, what we were going to discuss here before the podcast, mm-hmm. it's like, it's a, a lot of it is like, I'm not sure what I'm going to say. It's just, yeah. it's, it's a mystery. And whenever this happens, it seems very natural that it's happening. You know, of yeah. course, as a man, I'm captivated by right. these women or of course, you know, of course right. I, react this way around these women yeah. you know it's just it seems like just a natural thing right the mystery of like men and women and complementarity it's not something you can figure out by going to your ivory tower and contemplating it right right it's something yeah. you've experienced by living right right by living relation with others and in particular with with women right both you know sometimes in romantic relationships sometimes just in complementary friendship right um and i think it's just a really powerful thing complementary friendship that's a good phrase 
All right. Let's write that down. That complimentary <laughs> friendship. Indeed. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> so let's keep going through kind of some of these qualities we talk about and share stories as we go. But I think the next one we have is, is receptive or receptivity. What do you want to say about that one? Um, that's a good question. Uh, well, I think of Mary, first of all. I think with all of these, we should caveat it with we could pretty oh, much point. say Mary's yeah. name yeah. and then you move forward. You know, right. I think I think yeah. she encompasses these qualities fully, yeah. of course, as, you know, mm-hmm. um, a sinless human being. Yeah, Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus, the mother right. of God. Of course, yeah, Mary, yeah, <laughs> our mother, yeah. <laughs> um, but you weren't talking about the Mary down the street, were you? No, I was oh, just, okay, just making right. sure if, if our <laughs> listeners are thinking of their neighbor named Mary. We're not talking <laughs> yeah. about her, but she, I'm sure, she, I'm sure she's, she's great a great lady. Too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't talked about Doris in a while. I wonder how she's doing. What would, yeah, Doris. Gosh, <laughs> what would Doris do? Our poor new listeners have yeah. no idea what Go we're back, talking listen about. To episode one, it's probably bad. I haven't listened to it in a long time, <laughs> but be. it's called "What Would Doris Do?" You'll find out who Doris is. Yeah. Uh, so receptivity. Um, yeah, I just think Mary is the prime example of having re- you know received the Holy Spirit and receiving Jesus mm-hmm. into her womb. Right. You know. Um, so we'll talk about that. I think a little more um, in a, a, a few traits, yeah. but that's what I think of when you say the word receptive. Right. But I think more maybe what you mean is just like a, a welcoming presence, one yeah. who draws people into maybe their home and has right. the, the gift of hospitality, I think, is another right. thing I think of. Yeah, I mean, and JV2 links this to, you know, the, the physical as well, right? The receptivity in their body to, to receive the gift of life and bear life in their womb. But we see this in a spiritual way too, right? And I think the way women are often naturally inclined to receive people into the home um, to make make a house a home even, right? But to, to just have this welcoming personality. There's something about, um, and men can be welcoming too. You know, I've met many women or many men with the gift of hospitality, but there's something about the presence of a woman, of a woman who's very welcoming that I think is really unique and, and powerful. Um, so I think that's a gift that women in particular have in a special way. I'm with you. Yeah, I think their presence makes you feel more at home, I think is a good one thing I would add. Yeah, yeah feel yeah. at home, yeah. yeah. Um, I think also, I, I and I put to receive others non-judgmentally. Um, mm. One of the things I've always found, like, women tend to have this, like, not that women can't be judgmental, but, like, when you're going through something, like, yeah. often they just, they have this ability to just receive you, receive your problem, um, counsel you through it, right, but not judge you in it not try to fix it right that's our thing as men we yeah. try to fix it um but to just receive you first right before trying to work through it before trying to do anything else just to let you know you're loved cared for and heard i think is is, is a powerful thing yeah that's so true i have a particular image in my mind of like um just the oh like that kind of right. vo- that kind of yeah. noise and then like the you know how a woman can just like basically put her hand softly on your shoulder mm-hmm. and then the all of a sudden the situation is resolved yeah, yeah or i think of like <laughs> no. a mother right like right. A, a child scrapes his knee and they just they just run to their mother and it's right. just like a, a welcoming yeah. embrace and then it's fine after that it's like they're not even hurt yeah 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 well powerful um and i think one that goes with along with that is our our next one nurturing um i think is similar right it's it's similar qualities that i think foster this this nurturing mentality, right? But and I think it comes from biology to an extent too, of women have this, you know, ability to literally nurture life in its most vulnerable form, right? Um, the infant, right? So I think because of that, women often are more naturally inclined to be able to nurture life in its vulnerable stages, whether that's an infant or 
sometimes adult human beings who are sure. very vulnerable um, emotionally, um, wounded emotionally, physically, whatever it might be. Yeah, this nurturing one is definitely tied to just motherhood, isn't it? Yeah, right. I think motherly yeah. is maybe a synonymous yeah. word we could use here. You know, just like very, very caring and right. uh, life-giving, you know, right. I think it's another phrase. And you can see this in, and again, speaking in generalities, but women often being drawn to professions like nursing nursing, and teaching younger children, right? Right. Not that men can't do either any of those things, but I think there is a natural um, skill set that generally speaking um, – women are disposed to um, in those fields and and they often do it really well as a result. That doesn't mean that's all they can do. Right. Right. Um, but I think it is a beauty and gift of, of women that they have to offer the world that we need to recognize. Agreed. Yeah. Anything else on nurturing? Nope. I'm good. Okay. So the other, this one's interesting, naturally relational. Um, you know, I think back to like our, our warrior poet tension for the man, right? So men kind of fight this, this mentality of like, we know we need to be like courageous, right? We know we're made for a battle of some kind, this warrior mentality. But, you know, sometimes we're weaker in the, in the poet side, right? This emotional intuition. But for whatever reason, and I think we can speculate as to why, women tend to have that ability to connect emotionally quicker. Um, so I think they have this natural relational ability, this natural relational disposition as well. Yeah, this one's nearly a total mystery to me. I, <laughs> I, I, um, I think that's so true. And um, sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll step back and um, just kind of marvel at a woman's ability mm-hmm. to um, diffuse a situation with their relational ability yeah. or, um, I don't know, to draw someone into um, a community uh, or, you know, so on and so forth. Sometimes I'll sit back and marvel and wonder why yeah. I can't do that. You yeah. know, I don't know if you've ever had that yeah. experience, but yeah, um, no, I think you're right. And I think like there's the sensitivity that they have to, right. That's a good like, word. Sometimes like somebody, like I've thought of times where like, you know, somebody's coming for, for help and you know, my reaction is like, Oh, your problem. You just need to suck it up. Right. Right. And, and, and like, and then, you know, I've seen women approach like the same thing and it's just like compassion and sensitivity and, um, yeah, it's inspiring, right? And it's convicting to me, right? Because that's a defect in me sure. when I react in that way. Um, but I think women often have that natural inclination towards sensitivity. Um, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think, uh, I think too, uh, women in particular have the ability to know what someone needs in a particular right. time. Right, right. Which yeah. I think might be tied to the yeah. relational thing, too. I, I, yeah. I know you well enough to know what you need in this particular moment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes me think of like the, it's not about the nail video. You remember that? Have you seen it? No, I don't think I I have. I feel like I've showed this to you at some point. Well, it's this, it's this YouTube video. You can look it up. I think it's just called, it's not about the nail, but it's, I I love talking about this because I think it captures like a difference in how men and women approach things sometimes. But this lady has literally has a nail in her forehead (laughs) in the video. There's a giant nail sticking out of her forehead and She's talking to somebody, you assume it's her husband in the video, and she's complaining about the pain that the nail causes. And the husband's getting frustrated. He's like, well, why don't you just let me take the nail out? And she gets upset. She says, it's not about the nail. Okay, and it just keeps going. <laughs> he's like, he's making it about the nail, and, and she says, it's not about the nail. Like, I just I just am feeling this pain, right? And I need you to sympathize. And um, at the end, the man just goes, I'm sorry, honey. I know, I know it's really tough. She goes, 
thank you. Like just is like, it's like so relieved <laughs> when he says that. Right. But like, it's this, it's this idea that like sometimes what people need is not you to fix their problem, but you to empathize with their problem. And I think women get that more naturally than we do sometimes. Seriously though, did someone get that nail? I don't know. I can't remember how the video ends. But it's bothering me. It's not about the nail. See, no, that's stop. your problem, Nick. Just get the nail out. You and your masculine brain. You just think it's about the nail. Um, but no, I think I think I think I see that a lot of times in life. Right? Is there's there's we have these conflicts, and that's kind of how we approach them. But yeah. Good point. Yeah, I think there's also this this ability to unite that women have. I think this. Oh, Father Brendan Rowling, one of the Focus Chaplains, talks about this. Like one of the feminine gifts is, is their ability to unite, unite people and make people feel like they're a part of something. Um, but I think it goes with their relational nature as well. Yeah, I agree. Nothing to add. Great. Let's see. You got a unique capacity for intimacy with Jesus. I, I like, I like how I think you're going to talk about this because you mentioned something about it earlier. Yeah, this is an interesting one. You know, um, I am a particular fan of, um, people like John of the Cross, um, you know, who, uh, or the Song of Songs is another example of like just this mm-hmm. this idea of intimacy with the Lord, you know, mm-hmm. this idea of, of bride and bridegroom and um, just kind of, um, yeah, viewing our, you know, an intimate relationship with the Lord and what that would look like. Yeah. Um, well, so I think women in particular have a the ability to do that, to view, you know, intimacy with Jesus in a particular way because yeah. they're women and Jesus came as a man, you know, so right. um, it's... I don't know. I don't know how to put my finger yeah. on what exactly it's, um, how exactly they can, right. they can have an advantage here. Yeah. But um, well, I think because of the complementary, complementarity of men and women, right? Yeah. Um, that they, yeah, yeah, seeing Jesus as a man, I think for a woman in particular, um, it captures that complementarity. Um, so I, I think you're absolutely right. I think there's yeah. something there. You know, even like the um spout you know the the kind of theology of the body or the vocation way of thinking about it right the church is the bride of christ right well if we are the church like we're all members of the church to be a bride to be a woman would be easier to relate to that right um to being the bride of christ right and that's why like you know i always think like in the sense of like loftiness or like ideals the best vocation has to be to be a religious sister, right? Your spouse is Jesus. That's you know? right. Um, mm. You know, any other situation, like your spouse is imperfect, right? Whether you're a priest, a husband, right. wife, right? Um, yeah. So I think I think that you're exactly right with that. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I wonder I wonder if it's fair to say that women just have like a, a greater capacity for holiness, even since they. Ooh, that's bold. Since they, I maybe I don't know. I, I mean, yeah. again, we're we're speaking just offhand here, but. Yeah. It just makes me wonder if they do. You know, it would make sense in Mary's role. Um, you yeah. know, they just they seem to have a. I used the word advantage before, and I, I'm not sure if that's yeah. the right word, but it seems like they do. You know, they have kind of a um, a natural way yeah. to to view the relationship yeah. with the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's something to that. I mean, the the holiest non-divine human being to ever live was was a woman, right. Mary. You know, and I yeah, I think there's something to be something to be said about absolutely god could have come anyway he came through the womb of a a woman and elevated that woman to a a high status right you know um by his sheer presence in her womb i think but anyway Mm. um yeah yeah that's a powerful one absolutely something to think about yeah and i think the next one kind of goes with that this is i think the last kind of observation before we go into the tension that women face um 
but kind of how w- men and women are complementary. Um, I guess this is kind of a new topic, but how are men and women complementary? Right. Um, so we talked about kind of these aspects of women, right? Well, how do, what does that bring to the table for men? What do men bring to the table? How do, how do we complement each other in that? Yeah, I'm going to actually jump back to this quote here that from Fulton Sheen. I think it's a, it's a good one maybe to preface this, yeah, this yeah, whole conversation like with. Yeah. yeah, this is maybe one of the more powerful quotes that I've ever heard uh, on women. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And uh, it's always stuck with me, so I'll give it a read here. Let's do it. He says, when a man loves a woman, he has to become worthy of her. The higher her virtue, the more noble her character, the more devoted she is to truth, justice, goodness, the more a man has to aspire to be worthy of her. The history of civilization could actually be written in terms of the level of its women. Wow. Um, yeah, that's very yeah, bold. I mean, that's powerful. It's, it's, if I can just comment on it, it's, I think, I think you can, anybody who's had that experience of like meeting someone, it's like, wow, like they are, you know, this woman is so far above me, like is so, mm. you know, whatever it is, you know, so committed to justice, goodness, whatever it is, but also just in a holistic way, like this person, you know, it, it's, it calls you higher, right? You know, it's, I don't want to remain as I am. I want to become what I need to be in order to like take care of that and love that person. You're right. Yeah. That is so, it just resonates with me so much, mm-hmm. that quote, you know. Um, yeah. What a responsibility it brings to the women yeah. in, our, in our society. Now, listen, so for the people out here that just think that women have a lesser role in society, I mean, just listen to that. You know, I, I just, um, uh, mm-hmm. just the, like the importance of the holiness in the women of our world, you know, uh, is just, yeah. I mean, is there anything more important? You yeah. Know? Um, I don't know. Uh, your lives are important, you know. Right, right, yeah, and and it can call, you know, the other half of humanity higher right. as well. I think of, um, you know, Need to Breathe, my my favorite band of all time. I had a song recently on their most recent album called Banks. Have you have you heard it? I still haven't listened to it. Okay. Is that the one you've been trying to get me to listen to? Probably for the last year. My bad. Yeah, it's, it's whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Bear, uh, Bear, the lead singer. His name's Bear, named after Bear Bryant. Yeah. Um, of need to breathe bear, bear reinhardt i was searching for his last name oh, okay bear. wrote this song i think he wrote it about his wife um it's called banks and in the chorus is something along the lines of um i want to hold you wait hang hold you close but never hold you back i'll be the banks for your river mm. so this idea of like Ooh. him his wife inspires him you know women woman respire inspires him to the point where he doesn't want to hold her back he wants to hold her close and allow her to shine essentially right the banks are what makes the river flow in the right direction um, wow so kind of this supportive role right that Ooh. i think even man can play for a woman Ooh, that's really powerful i'm gonna have to, have to think yeah, and check play it about out. that for a while yeah, yeah. Banks. banks maybe i'll listen to it one of these days who yeah. knows I haven't made up my yeah. mind yet yeah <laughs> no no that's so true wow just to kind of the the man is kind of like preparing the ground for beholding the woman i think it's really uh I think it's really a gorgeous yeah. Im- image. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. In, in the same way, you know, I think uh, women, women enable men to fulfill their, you know, quote unquote, going out roles uh, more fully and uh, more capably. So yeah. by their beauty and by their nurturing, cap- you know, all those quotes that were all those traits that we mentioned before right. yeah, that enables the man to, to go forth. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I think I think now's a good time to go into this this idea of the tension, right? So one of the things we identified in talking about masculinity is 
that there's this tension we face, right? You know, men are different and men experience kind of this, in some ways, you know, this drive to be a warrior and in other ways, this drive to be a poet. You can go back and listen to that episode. We won't rehash it here. But I think women face a similar tension. I'm not positive exactly what that tension is. I think that's something in our in our follow up where we talk to a real life woman, um, we can get <laughs> life. we can get a, a better perspective on that. But I do want to go there, and I do want to talk about because I think we can kind of identify a little bit of what that tension looks like. Yeah, I know we went back and forth a little bit before the podcast as to how this was gonna was gonna go. So that if that's any indication of how how uh, I know we're still debating that, um, yeah. then there you go. But, but I like um, what we have still. No, I do too. Yeah, I'll um, I'll let you kind of um, okay, uh, develop your you know tension that you've you've thought about. But I will. I do want to mention too that I think we both realize that there's a a tension that human beings face. You know, uh, yeah, whatever yeah. that might be. You know, I know the men. We we've talked about the warrior poet tension. Um, with women, we're going to talk about another particular tension here in a second. But um, I think there's there's just a general human being tension that maybe right. we'll talk about as we as yeah. we go along um, that yeah. we I don't think have discovered fully yet. Yeah, and um, I, but, but I love that you you brought it to that general human being tension because that's really helped shape this in a new light for me. So or in a new light for me. So let's let's look at that. So for man for masculine masculinity, there's this warrior poet tension. Right, we know we're called in some ways to be warriors and in some ways to be poets. Right. To be only in one extreme would be not to be living fully what you're supposed to be. Right. So generally, I think we could see this as a human struggle between kind of going out and staying in. Right. Adventure. You know, we said adventure in the Shire to use like a Lord of the Rings analogy. Right. Yeah. Like we are we are called to go on adventure um, to fight dragons and do I'm not literally always, but um, maybe sometimes. Yeah. Literally. Maybe so. Um, but to go out, do hard things, encounter adversity, but also called to build a community, um, build a safe environment for people to live and be loved in, right? Um, which is which is what the Shire for the Hobbits represents, and and then kind of this battle versus like relational, right? You know, we go out and battle to defend what we love, right? But all that is in service of the community, the home, right? Where the relational aspect of life is lived. So this going out and staying in is kind of the tension, right? The human being tension, you mean, yeah? Yeah, the human being tension, right? right? And and for men, that kind of, I think, the warrior-poet analogy really captures that for us. So for women, I think what I want to propose, I don't have, you know, the nice warrior-poet ring to it yet, but I think it's this tension, I think, particularly in the modern world, between knowing that women have a lot to offer the world outside of the home and inside of the home. And I think from what I've observed with, with a lot of women that I know, especially mothers, um, especially in the 21st century, right, where women do have more and more opportunities in the world than they've ever had before, um, there's this tension, right? Because while women do have a lot to offer in the world, outside of the home, they're also naturally really good and really disposed to cultivate love and care for life in the home. So I think for women, they face this tension of kind of wanting to do both and then also having some people tell them that they should do one, right, um, or they're made for one at the expense of the other. And I think women often face this this tension of how, you know, am I truly only one of these 
is there a way to do both? Sometimes it seems hard to do both, right? Um, but that's what I think the tension is. Yeah, I think that's a great thing to contemplate and consider. And I know I don't have the answer to that question, you know, of uh, what's, the, right. what's the proper balance. Right. And ultimately, just remembering, too, that each woman is unique. Each woman is unique. Each woman is unique. Um, I, I just think mm-hmm. it's so important to emphasize here, you know. Uh, like, yes, women have a natural inclination to be nurturing in the home. Yeah, they do. Um, uh, I think it would be silly to assume otherwise, you know. Right. Um, but, you know, is every woman called to, you know, be at home with the kids full time while the, the father goes out? Um, no, I don't, I don't think so. You know, um, I think if the woman is uh, going out and, you know, working full time and never coming home, um, no, I don't think they're fulfilling their role either. You know, of course, right. there's, there's, yeah. the, there's the balance. There's the tension. Um, mm-hmm. So would it be fair to say that the woman, uh, like, in general, should lean towards uh, being the nurturing home figure um, with uh, some movement towards the going out um, Mm -hmm. in some instances? Would that be kind of a a fair balance on the scale? Yeah. I mean, I think in some ways that sounds like – it sounds perfectly reasonable and balanced. Okay. But I think also in the 21st century, even that can sound controversial, right? Because right. there's a lot of people who would say, no, why, why should women be any more focused on the home than a man? Um, but I think I'd, I'd side with you on that. I think I would say there should be a, a leaning towards of, because of the natural, I think, tendencies of the natural, not tendencies, but um, gifts that women have that are unique yeah. to being women. I think the short of it is because that's what they're made for. You know, right. it just seems generally, you know, it just seems yeah. like, um, I know this has been talked about over the course of society, but when you remove God from this, I mean, when you remove the fact that there is a creator and he's mm-hmm. created us and that creation has a purpose. And our bodies have purpose. Right. Yeah. It, there's a purpose to how we've been created. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing, you know, prejudicial or um, about that at all. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just that the women have been created. That's how they've been created not better or worse than how men have been created that's that's how they've been created generally that's their that's their purpose uh, that's their um those are their um um beautiful qualities if you will um that contribute right. to the body of christ and to human society yeah yeah and i think that i mean there's extremes and exceptions to everything too like it doesn't mean that you know you know the husband's disabled right and you know for whatever reason can't go out and work and the woman's the the main provider like that's we're not saying that any of that's sinful or wrong or anything right there's people are different situations are different circumstances are different and um you know it's not about creating these restricting roles for society it's about recognizing who we are amen and living out of that i think and that's not going to look the same for everybody right I think there are women who are called to be stay-at-home moms and to live out their femininity in a unique way that way. But there's also women who have really valuable things that they need to be offering in the workplace. Right. right. While still having the responsibility to nurture right. the home. Not at the expense of the home. Right. Right. Not at the expense of the children. And the same for a father, right? You know, is he has value to, to create in the workplace. Not at the expense of his family, though. Right. As well. That's right. Yeah, yeah. He has the ability to. He he has the, um, the responsibility, I should say, to be the the priest of his household. You know, mm-hmm. to be the head mm-hmm. of his household. You know, while also going out. Uh, that's that's his responsibility as as mm-hmm. the man, and, and uh, generally speaking. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, so there's there's that tension. You just, you just got to find that balance, right? Yeah, finding that balance, <laughs> as our friend Christian would say. Yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> it's about yeah. finding that balance. Yeah. 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 Anyway, I would kind of summarize my thought by saying uh, generally the man should kind of, you know, on the scale, the left side being uh, battle-oriented going out and the right side being staying in or nurturing or um, – I th- another way to say it is on the left is action, on the right is contemplation, whatever, whatever you want to, mm-hmm. however you want to say it. I think men should generally lean towards the going outside mm-hmm. um, while also having the ability to, to slide into the right side, you know, and, right. and, and yeah. be a part of the home, nurture the home, be the head of the home. Uh, or is the woman of the reverse? They should generally mm-hmm. fall on the, the right side of nurturing and, um, yeah, nurturing the home and then leaning on, you know, falling into the left side of going out, you know? Um, so yeah. that would be my, my kind of summarization, I think. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's absolutely fair. And I think it's right. Um, so hopefully we've given you something to think about. Um, hopefully our perspective, I think it is valuable. Um, I think that there's a lot, a lot there to contemplate, right? And I think it, it requires further contemplation, I think, especially in a society where, um, I don't think that's the natural tendency is to contemplate what femininity is and masculinity is rather more so to tear down those, those things. And, um, so I think it's helpful to think about, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to add? Yeah. I would just say, you know, just as an addition to what you say there, it just becomes very difficult to have any sort of conversation about what femininity is and what masculinity is when you're, when you've removed the creator of these mm-hmm. qualities of human beings mm-hmm. from the conversation, you know, if you don't, if you don't believe that, you know, God is our creator and he created these, you know, um, complementary sides of human beings or complementary types of human beings, then we can't really begin to have a discussion of what its purpose is, you know, right. um, from any sort of meaningful yeah. perspective. So yeah, um, has to start there with the yeah. Lord. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we will do part two. I really want to to hear a feminine perspective on all of this. Um, I think they'll have a lot to add to the table. But hopefully this will get you started at thinking about something you've never heard before, right? From a solely masculine perspective on femininity to uh, unmarried men in their 20s talking about femininity. I'm sure that's a perspective everybody wants to hear. You know, we're about to do for some, like, really inappropriate comments on social media. so Or, like, some, you know, comments <laughs> that are controversial or whatever that yeah. more people hate our opinions, you know? Yeah. So, um I don't know. Maybe this episode will be the one where we get some. Uh, <laughs> See, I don't feel like we said anything. <laughs> I don't like, either. <laughs> I feel like in, in some sense, there are people who think we said something really controversial. But I think we like really said something really reasonable and moderate. But I, I don't know. I think, you're, I think you're right. But who knows? We'll see. Yeah. 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 Uh, for any um, hot-headed social media people out there, I dare you to uh, challenge us. Yeah, here we go. But remember, hate mail <laughs> goes to Nick. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, until next time, uh, this has been our podcast, our conversation on Colloquium. Again, follow us on social media. Give us reviews on all the podcast things and um, email us at colloquiumshow at gmail.com. We hope to hear from you and we'll see you next time on Colloquium. Praise be Jesus Christ. Now and forever. Amen.